Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good in your world. Um, Yeah, I'm back to recording again. Hopefully I can keep up with the daily recordings and um, thank you for being here. So today um, I'm just going to be talking about um, Choose Life. I mean, if you look at the last two recordings and episodes that have been done, I've been talking about this whole, you know, cosmic battle, this entire good and evil concept that we see in the world. And I don't know if it's me, you know, it's just me, but I find myself becoming increasingly um, fascinated with the concept of good and evil and how it plays out on earth. I think also because we're in a moment where I think it's very, you know, at least to me, and I think to a lot of people, you know, the, 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 how would I say, the, the system that is, pervades the world, you know, seems to just be predisposed to a certain kind of way of doing things, which is not necessarily fair, which also brings me to another, you know, a concept that I've been thinking about and which has also come up in my Bible school programs and I'm I'm also seeing conversations on it um, on Twitter. This concept of a just world, you know, and we all thinking that we live, somehow we think that we live in a just world, whereas everything points to the fact that the world is completely unjust and it will never be just. And the Bible tells us why the world is unjust. It tells us it's unjust because man, dis- man disobeyed God and he, uh, man gave their authority to the devil and then the devil who really has no stake in this world because this earth was really not created for him anyway it was made for physical creatures has now become the god of this world small g jesus actually i mean the, the new testament recognizes the devil as being the god of this world um ephesians 6 talks about the rulers of the darkness of this world so there is a world system which is being ruled by evil beings and i guess you know that answers the question of why people say if there is really a god why should there be why is there so much evil on the earth there's evil on the earth because our forefather adam gave his authority over the earth to the devil by disobeying god and obeying what the devil asked him to do in the garden of eden genesis 3 explains that story adam did not know the implication of what he was doing you know adam and eve but adam you know didn't understand or maybe he did i I don't know what really went on there but the what just looked like a simple act had far-reaching implications up to the present day so we're still living in the adamic reign that hasn't changed i guess the adamic reign comes to an end when god brings this entire age to an end so if everything had gone on well according to plan the world would have remained in that garden of eden state and you know we wouldn't have all these issues battle between the sexes you know an unjust world and all of a corrupt world we wouldn't even have had mortality we wouldn't have had sickness disease pain torture sorrow death grief all the things that the sin of adam or the first man brought into play so therefore, those of us who are born in these latter days, you know, are born into a world where you can see that there is good 
this is a good world you know you can you can really see i mean the beauty of the world when you look at mountains valleys oceans seas everything about nature in its purest form makes you realize that this planet was actually it's a green planet actually it's that garden of eden imagery you can actually see it in the world i mean in my country nigeria i live in the coastal part of nigeria when you we have rainforests when you we have virgin forests when you enter it when you look at it that this is an earth that is as old as god knows how old the purity of nature in its form you know in its purest form the red soil the trees the forest the animals it's so pure so you can see that good god good creation or good world good earth in nature also in animals you know the way the sort of value chain in which they support one another you know the whole communal thing going on in the animal world as well as the savagery as well you know but there's a lot of beauty in the world that makes you understand the concept that this was actually this is a good planet you understand what i'm saying this was whoever created this whoever designed this really intended this to be a place for good you see the fruits you see the difference in the in the diets you know the vegetables just the the way in which the earth is so self-sustaining you know water food light all of that you can tell that this was supposed to be a paradise but something went wrong something went wrong something went very 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 wrong and many years ago even when you look at human beings the fact that we are able to heal shows you that the seed of immortality was actually in us because Really, why is it that we are able to heal? Why is it that you cut somebody, you can stitch the person up and the person can heal back? And it's not medical science that makes you heal back. It's your body that heals itself. So there are, there's a lot of, there are a lot of clues that suggest to us that this world was supposed to be perfect. It was its original design. So this world, and, this world the physical world, and the human, the creatures that live in it, we're supposed to exist in a near perfect state. But like I said, something went wrong. And the Bible explains what went wrong in the book of Genesis chapter 3. And from that time till now, there has been an ongoing cosmic battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil. That is the world you and I have been born into. Now, this cosmic battle predates our existence. Therefore, once you, you are born into the world, whether you like it or not, you are thrust in the middle of it. There is no demilitarized zone. There is no neutral, non-aligned movement. You know what I'm saying? You are either in the good and the evil. Unfortunately, all of us, because we are all born into that same sin, the sin of Adam passes on with us. We are on a, on a life's quest of discovering, first of all, the first epiphany I think anyone will get is understanding that we do not live in a just world. There's in an imperfect world. And that for some reason, this world rewards evil and punishes good. It's taken me like, I think, 50 years of my life to, to, to realize that the world is unjust. I thought that the world was just, but that unjust things happen. No, this current world system is not just. It's an unjust world. But you, we can't find justice in this world. The judgment of God also can come into play. Justice, which is a, a, a human concept, can also come into play. But by and large, the system is unjust, which is why 
you know, they say, which is why some people, you know, as far as they're concerned, crime pays. Yes, it does. In this world, crime pays. Honesty may not necessarily pay you. You know what I'm saying? You can choose to be honest because of what you believe in, because of eternal reward, or you believe that God will somehow repay you, and he will. But the world will not reward you for honesty. If you are going to be rewarded for honesty, most likely it is either going to be from a righteous person, a godly person, a principled person within an unjust world, or a from directly from God himself. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, In fact, I've never articulated this in these words before, but... This, these are my reflections based on, you know, this is what I, yeah, and I'm, this is where I have just become, like I said, it's taken 50 years of my life to get here. And so today I'm, um, the title of today's musing is, um, choose life. And we're reading the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, musing on this concept. And in fact, this musing, this particular episode, what I'm talking about right now, is really is really important to me because I think I spent a whole part of my life misunderstanding how the world works. And I have no regrets because either way, you know, I think God enabled me to choose life and to want to choose life. So even when I wasn't choosing life, when I mean life, I mean choosing the life of God, choosing God's way of doing things. I always knew that it was right to choose life. So I have been on a lifelong quest of learning how to choose life and to continue to choose life on a daily basis. My first step at choosing life was giving my life to Christ, which was in as a teenager many years ago. And since then, of course, giving your life to Christ is not just about, oh, you, you, you say, um, Lord Jesus, come into my life. There's a whole consecration. There's a whole learning process. There's a whole growth process, spiritual formation and all of that that has to happen. So, and you go through it. All of us have our ups and downs. So I, I went through my own ups, ups and downs with that. I never did get to, I never got to a point. I mean, I never went through a, 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 a what I would call a point where I don't believe God anymore. But I went through a whole series of, you know, wanting to do things my way, you know, and expecting God to come along with the ride, you know. So con- in terms of consecration, living a consecrated life, a holy and a righteous life, I've had my ups and downs in that area. And I think a number of times I wasn't necessarily living a holy life. I wasn't necessarily living a consecrated life. I wasn't necessarily living or walking in faith. I wasn't necessarily obeying God. So I wasn't making um, positive spiritual life choices, even though I still believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he died for me and that, you know, God raised him for my restoration, my reconciliation, and that through him, I have access to a fatherly and son relationship, a father and child relationship with God, and that, you know, um, the blood of Jesus provides an access for me into the kingdom of God, and I become a child of God and a messenger of the gospel by result i believed all of that you know and um and that and that as a believer of god my name is written in heaven when i die leave this body my spirit will go to where god is you know what i'm saying so i believed all of that but i wasn't necessarily living out the gospel there are two different things so but in the last i would say five ten years five yeah last decade or so as i began to grow older i have been on an ongoing quest to 
align my 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 spiritual life and my life as a whole with what I believe, what I say I believe. So and that's been an ongoing quest, and I think it's really intensified in the last two years. But the realization of the context of the world in which I live that is very new for me, and I've just started to understand. It. Although I would say I, it's not fair to say it's completely new as well, because I think in the early days of Christianity, I mean, this whole born again thing, when I first gave my life to Christ and the revival happened in my home country, Nigeria, there was a lot of teaching about the world system, at least in the church that I was in at the time, which was in the late, um, um, I think it was in the 90s. Yes, in the early 90s, there was a lot of teaching about the world system, it being evil and all of that, and the fact that we're we're not of this world, we shouldn't act like the people of the world. There was a lot of emphasis on worldly behavior, carnal behavior, as opposed to godly behavior. A lot of that is lost in modern day Christianity. Now it's just about blessings, about getting God to bless you, and that once you are blessed, you are fine. That in fact, the the greatest false teaching that has really permeated around church circles in my local environment is that. Um, teaching or that concept or that um, doctrine or that belief that has been perpetuated to make people think and believe that material blessing is a sign of God's approval on your life, whereas nothing could be farther from the truth. Because material blessing is just a sign of material blessing. It has nothing to do with God's approval of your life, nothing. Because if it does, then sinful people should not be able to be financially um, rich. So if the fact that somebody is wealthy then becomes a sign of God's blessing on your life, then I really, really wonder because most of the rich people on the earth, the richest people on the planet are also the greatest sinners and they also, they are the most immoral people you would ever come in contact with. They have nothing to do with God. They do not like God and they are not followers of Christ. So there's something very false with about that doctrine. And I believe that that was definitely something that the devil pushed so that we begin to put our focus where it should not be. Righteousness is about holiness. It's about working with God. It's about living a life that is pleasing to God, whether you have money or not. Money and God, they do not mix. That's why Jesus said <laughs> that you cannot serve God and money. But for some reason, in my local environments, People have somehow supplanted body with God. I, I don't understand how that happened because scripturally, God makes a very, very, in fact, he puts money very far from him. It's not that he doesn't talk about blessings, but he makes it very clear. He says, what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Jesus, Jesus said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So as far as God is concerned, your own soul, my soul, is worth more than all of the money in the world. He says, you know, so... I don't want to talk, that's really not what I want to talk about, but that's just an aside. And just to just talk about the fact that um, working with God in this earth is really about working with his word, obeying his word, and becoming like him, and wanting the things that he wants, desiring the things that he desires, living for the things that are important to God and the kingdom, which is very, very different from living a life that is about, oh, God bless me, let me have my house, let me have my family, uh, land, let me, mm, 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 all of that is, is different. And like I said, the fact that I even have to be saying this just shows you how upside down a lot of our theology and the doctrines that we have embraced is because it is not scriptural. 
it's just not i mean they, i'm not going to say whether it's right or wrong i will tell you it's not scriptural it's not and we can in fact i can pull out like 1000 scriptures to show that it's not scriptural so i want to read so we're in a cosmic battle whether we realize it or not we are born into a world that is unjust because of the sin of adam and when we come in we have to choose which side we are going to be on um, we go through that whole process before we figure it out for ourselves, you know, depending on the kind of family you were brought up in. But we're all on that life because, And at the end of days, for each of us, we will all be asked to give account of what we have done in this natural life. In other words, you'll be asked to declare which side he worked for where you were on earth. Whether you realize it or not, this is what is going to happen to all of us. You know, whether it, that's just it. So, and um, at that, and the judgment... Um, at that day of judgment for each of us it will differ depending on when we leave the earth or that reckoning let me put it that way what will be will be judged to be about you know like i said which side are you on and it's not something that passes on based on oh because i went to i mean this congregation or i came from this family it's really about what 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 choices did you make while you were on earth now i want to read the um book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, which I think gives a bit of insight into how this works. And um, there are some scriptures in the New Testament that refer to this as well, but I like this one because it's it really does present the dilemma, the spiritual, um, how would I say, is it, would I call it a dilemma? Or the spiritual challenge between, before all men. Even though this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel at that time and explaining it to them. I find out that the message in it is valid to all of us as well because, yeah, it's just so valid. And I, I think the message of what he's saying here, which, you know, resonates throughout all of the scriptures, is that choices have consequences, whether we realize it or not. And they have physical consequences. They also have spiritual consequences. So whatever choices we make, in fact, right down to things like the choice of the kind of person you are, how you relate to people, how you think, what you do, the things that give you pleasure, the things that you spend your time doing, the things that you spend your time thinking about, the things you spend your time talking about, the things you spend your time doing, the relationships you keep, you know, the impact you make in people's lives, positive, negative, how you relate to God, how you relate to other human beings, how you relate to your, <laughs> how you relate to yourself, how you yourself, you know, you are. All of these choices, they have consequences. And God has measures, ways of evaluating the, the impacts, the value of those choices that we make. Okay, so good. So I start from, and I'm really running out of time at this point, but I'll try to bring this to a reasonable close before we end. And this is me just reflecting. Holy Spirit, thank you because you are really on call today and I'm just learning a lot. I will have to listen to this as well after I finish recording. So I start from, I start reading from verse 10. Again, let's recall backstory. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. He's telling them about the commandments of God and he's trying to, you know, sort of like break it down for them and say, you know what, these commandments have gone. This, let me tell you the implication of this. This is just not, this is not just a rule book or a handbook. It's not a suggestion, but this is, this is real. You know, like this is real. <laughs> this is really real. So he now says, okay, if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord, your God, and you keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if you turn unto the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul, and all of this is valid for us, New Testament believers as well. He says, um, 
For this commandment which I command you is not hidden from you. It's not far. It's not in heaven that you will say, oh, who will go up to us for he to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea. And you see, this is the thing. This is why I really like this Deuteronomy chapter 30. Because what God is saying here to the children of Israel, but also speaking to all of us, is that you have my word of God here. So you cannot, none of you can stand before me on the last day and claim that you do not know what was right. That you do not know. He said, because I have made it available for you on earth. So I'm not expecting you to be psychic that you should have some like epiphany before you know what's right. I have gone to great extent to inspire prophets and people. And even my own son, I sent him to teach you what is right. And I made sure people documented it in books that somehow Regard, have survived through all the ages and been bound into a comprehensive book that is available for you to get online or your library. So you have no excuse. That's what he's saying here. He says, but that, that is, is not in the sea. Neither will you say who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear and do it. But the word is very nigh unto you. It's in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. In other words, that word, I've made it available for you. It is here on earth. It is in this natural earth. It's not in one peripheral um, spiritual kingdom. It's here. But for you to be able to live by that word, that word needs to leave the pages on which it is and trans be transmuted into your mouth and into your heart. And you are the one that is going to do it by reading, by studying, by meditation, by, meditation, by practicing, by doing by living a life of emulating what the word of God says by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit. And it says, see, verse 15, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. This verse 15, I'm just going to stop there because it is a very powerful verse. Because what has happened to all of us, the Lord God has set before all of us, just like he did before Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. Life and good, death and evil. Now look at those two. What, what, what is life and good? One side, death and evil. Now, there is nobody in their right mind that will choose death. You know what I'm saying? But then, but then death does not come as death. It comes as a choice or an option that will eventually manifest into death. And that manifestation may not happen until like the one draws one's last breath. You know what I'm saying? It's very serious because when I think about it, Adam and Eve, they did not know when they were eating that apple what was going to be on the other side of that bite. So he says, I said before you this day, life and good, death and evil. We all have a basket of choices. And the thing about this is that what I found is that there are some choices you make that are very significant. There are macro choices, there are micro choices. Macro choices, life events, for instance, get married, give your life to Christ. There are some events, um, choices that you make. Sometimes some relationships or situations you get into that set you on a path of life for the rest of your life. And some set you on a path of destruction as well for the rest of your life. You may be able to get out of it, but it may cost you a lot. Some may, you may not even be able to get out of it. For instance, a choice, a choice to start taking drugs. That one, eh, you need God from heaven to come and help you out of it. You know what I'm saying? There's some choices you just take. 
you start taking drugs. The dependency, in fact, that, that one, you, you, as in you need God to come out of that situation. Same thing, alcohol, all of those type of things. But then I think this is just even beyond what I would call substance abuse. Because I believe that, for me personally, I think that even if somebody is under the hold of substance abuse, if your heart is still right before God, God will help you. For me, that was not even a problem. If you want to be delivered, God, and you can reach out to God, and you know, you, you know God will help you out of it. My problem is when you are choosing death and you don't even know that you have chosen death, that, that's not a good place to be. If you are consciously choosing death, then it's fine. Choose it with your full chest. Because when the impact of it comes, you will also own it with your own full chest. But for me, I think why I'm musing on this is I don't want to choose death thinking it was life. So I need to be clear about what life is so that not only that I choose it, I continue to choose it on a macro level and a micro level. So I have chosen life on a macro level. I've given my life to Christ. There are certain things I will not do based on that. You know, there are some big ticket items, 10 commandment type things. That one is a, it's non-negotiable. On a macro level, fine. But on a micro, there's also opportunity to get into the wrong things simply because maybe I didn't hear God well, disobedience or self, you know, I don't know, self-will, that kind of thing. So I need to be mindful of both. But again, if I have chosen God on a macro level, and that's what I, I've also seen in my life, and my heart is right with, before God, even when I make mistakes on the micro, God will set me, you know, on the right path. So, yeah. So on the macro level of choose life, I would put 10 commandments, give your life to Christ, 10 commandments, as well as macro life choices, like choices about marriage, career, all those sort of things. Like if you call yourself a Christian and you go and um, do a, you are in a profession that is not godly. <laughs> you're, you're, you're deceiving yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So those are macro life choices that will corrupt even your macro, um, I am a Christian testimony. So yeah, so life events plus salvation plus 10 commandments, I will put in that macro choose life buckets micro life choose life is all those little everyday decisions you know like you know not keeping malice with your with people that hurt you you know being a good citizen being a a, a good um person generally you know and then you know fulfilling your commitments to god in terms of service worship love and all that although that one is a bit on the macro as well so it now goes on, I really need to bring this to a close. It says in that um, verse 16, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. And the reason why I think I know that this um, chapter is still relevant to us is because when Jesus was, when, when, when they asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment, Jesus said to love your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. He picked out those two commandments. So he was telling us that, even though that is Old Testament, it is still valid for you now. And I was listening to one of my Bible um, school teachers recently, and he said something he, which I really, really liked, and I've put it in my head. And he was he said that the Old Testament, that um, how we as New Testament believers should relate with the Old Testament is this, that there are certain things that are nullified in the New Testament. There are certain things that are verified and there are certain things that are modified. So nullified, verified, modified. So NVM. And that in, so every, Jesus would always, there are certain things that were nullified. So all of the moral, I mean, those ritual sacrifices and all of that, we were told very, um, very uh, clearly in the New Testament, all that has ended, Jesus has paid the price, 
um, blood of bulls and goats no longer required. So anybody telling you to do that now is heretic teaching, is false teaching, is not right. So that's nullified. The love thy God with all thy heart and all of that, that is, is verified. It carries over exactly in the same way. Then some are modified. For instance, the laws um, for divorce, he says, no, it's not lawful for you to do that. The laws about um, um, adultery and immorality, he says, not just sleeping with somebody, but actually thinking about it. Things about anger, the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Those laws are even nullified completely. He says you should actually pray for them that despitefully use you, you know, and all that. So Jesus really, in fact, in those three years, he did a lot of teaching. So he, he gave us a lot to make us know, okay, this one carries over. This one does not carry over. And this one is modified. So we have that nullified, verified, and modified. Excellent. So this is this Deuteronomy 30 actually talks about the love that God with all your heart, which is carried over. It's verified in the New Testament. Jesus himself verified it. So what this advice of choose life, choose um, is actually very valid for us. So what he was saying here, so I'm bringing this to a close now. He now says, okay, you should love the God, love your God with all your heart, and that God will not bless you in the land with whichever you go to possess it. That's specifically to the Hebrews, because we don't have a promised land in terms of a physical land. There's no need because the kingdom is our inheritance. We have spiritual in, um, inheritance. And in fact, all the nations of the earth is given to us, but not as a physical possession, but as a spiritual possession for the souls of the men therein. So verse 17 says, if you, if you, if you, if your heart turns away so that you will not hear, you shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. <laughs> Jesus said, look, I will disown you. You will surely perish. You will not prolong your days upon the land which you pass over Jordan to go into it. He now says, verse 19, this is Moses speaking. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your suit and your seed may live, that you may love the Lord your God, and you may obey his voice, and you may cleave unto him, for is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give them. Verse 19 has the core message. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I have set before you every man on earth, life and death. He set it before Adam. Why? This is one of those universal truth principles, because he actually... What Moses is saying by the Spirit of God here in Deuteronomy 30, 19 is essentially what God said to Adam and Eve also. He said before them life and death. Unfortunately, they chose death. They chose death. So we all, we, this same, all of us, yeah, God has called heaven and earth to record the day against us that he has said before each and every one of us life and death, blessing and cursing. But he's counseling us to choose life. So that we and our seed after us may live, even in the midst of an unjust world, a crooked and a perverse generation and a very evil world system. Thank God that there is the opportunity to choose life. Because if there was no choice, death would just pass upon all of us, whether we like it or not. But the choosing life is a conscious decision. And it's not a once-for-all decision. It's an ongoing one because you can choose Christ as a macro level, but then to love him, to live for him, to worship him and to re reject everything that is contrary to him is not a once for all because there will literally every day we will all have to make choices. Every day we are going to be having Garden of Eden experiences 
there will be serpents coming in saying, had God really said you should not eat from the fruit, every day they are going to be offering you the forbidden apple. So every day you have to reject it. And it's going to come in different forms. So some days it will be, oh, eat this. Some other times it will be, oh, did God really say? Other times it will be, ah, but God knows that if you do this, you know, so there will be things coming, suggestions to either make you doubt what God is saying, to make you do things your own way, to make you follow a path that is not necessarily what God is telling you to do or what you know that the Bible says you should do. We will be having Garden of Eden temptations every single day until we leave this earth. But it is possible to continuously choose life. It is possible. So I'll leave it at that and I thank you very much for listening and I hope this has blessed you in some way or short form. If it has, please share with someone else and let's keep it moving. So I pray that the Lord will continue to help and enable each and every one of us to choose life so that it may be well with us, not just on this earth, but also in the world to come. In Jesus' name, amen.